This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. For me, the goal is always to kind of help people become self-sufficient. So it's like, okay, you know, I'll get you started, but now you've got to kind of take the ball and run with it. It's up to you. Whereas I think... The fitness industry, which I don't even like to consider myself part of, I think they like to create dependencies where right. they want you to rely on them and keep coming back. That's where the complexity serves them. Because if it's complex, someone needs to answer the complexity, and that's the guru. Where I'm just trying to say, look, it's it's, it's, it's really actually pretty simple. So you know what to do now. Kind of now it's up to you because I think we all are capable of doing more. You know, at anything, a little better, pushing a little harder, doing a little more. And, you know, I'm, you know, it's true for myself, it's true for you, it's true for everybody. And I think, you know, some people maybe don't want to face that reality, but if you push yourself with the basics, one, you can always push yourself a little more. It's never gonna, you're never gonna get too good for the basic. You can always take a simple exercise, make it a little bit more difficult. There's a lot of ways to increase the difficulty. So. You never outgrow it. I'm Rob Zenamite, and this is the Tom Rowan Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. I've got one of my favorite trainers in the world. Uh, when I say trainer, this guy is, um, well, let's just say he wrote, he wrote the book on it. He wrote the book on intensity in training, a book called Infinite Intensity. And he also wrote the book on how to uh, get a workout in anywhere, at your home, out in, the, the, in a park, anywhere, never gymless. Never Gymless is a book that had a tremendous amount of impact on me. It helped me to create and do workouts all around the world as I've gone to hotels and and just feeling like I don't have to um, have a gym. I don't need a gym. 
I can do everything I need to stay in shape by, you know, using old school methods and techniques like push-ups and handstand push-ups and running and sprinting and hill sprints and stairs and all the other things that we've talked about on this much of that inspiration comes from ross enamite he's a great dude and he's with us right now ross how you doing man good hanging in there (laughs) all right man long time no see i know (laughs) i have uh i have an interesting um picture i want to show you right here Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and that one, that is... Like 2008, probably. Yeah, 2008, you came down, tried to film an episode of Saltwater Experience, and we got weathered out. It was not uh, not our best yeah. not our best shoot, but it was fun to get down there with you and and, uh, and get to know you a little bit. Um, Definitely. That was awesome. So since then, what have you been up to? Um, just busy with boxing, you know, as a working as a boxing coach and you know, so I still have the website. I think that's where I first I think that's where I first met met you, yeah. you know, online through the old forums, uh the old training forums. I know. That but, thing uh, was awesome. I went back to look at it last night and the forum's gone. Yeah, no, I I uh I shut it down actually just it was only a couple weeks ago. I really didn't really have time to maintain it. Um, there's only so many things you can kind of keep going at once. So that forum, I mean, that is something that is, um, you know, that's like, a, it's kind of like a dinosaur these days, the forums, because I had a forum, um, kind of inspired by yours, how much in, how much, um, back and forth you had between all of your, you know, the people that were following your books and everything like that. And I thought, well, that'd be pretty cool. So I started one myself and then it just got overrun with spam. I mean, it just. Yeah was so hard to maintain. Is that one of the things that made you decide to close it down? Yeah, I mean, partly, but I think just years ago, social media wasn't as prevalent where now I think people have quite, everyone's on, you know, when they go get on their phone, they're on social media. So the forum's relevancy, I don't think is what it was prior to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these different media forms that you can get in touch with anybody. You don't need to go to a forum. So, yeah, but still though, I mean, you had so much information on there, all those, all those yeah. DIY, um, uh, links and everything that you had on there. That stuff yeah, well, was just amazing. I'm going to actually recreate that list. I'll just put it on the blog. Cause I've had a lot of people asking for just cause there was probably 200 plus homemade equipment ideas on the forum. So I'm going to try to put them on one place on the blog. So people can at least access them still. It was the best, it was the best resource on the internet for sure of homemade, homemade equipment stuff. I mean, you had a couple of guys that were really into it and they would just, they would make everything. I would love to see what their garage looked like. Cause I mean, you had a couple of really, really avid posters there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when I first uh, made contact with you for this, you were in in training camp. Yeah. And so what what we're camp at, was yeah. that? Uh, well, actually, I was Katie Taylor. She's the uh, undisputed lightweight female boxing champion, and uh, we were supposed to be initially fighting on May second in England, and the second date got pushed back to July fourth, and it's. I'm guessing that's probably going to get pushed back as well. We're at, we are still training, but just kind of waiting to hear any day now. It's probably going to be pushed towards the end of July or August. Who knows where the world's going? Right. And so with that, well, why? I mean, like we went into lockdown kind of while you were in camp, right? 
Yeah, it's just it's just the private gyms with his own. You know, we're the only ones there. So right. They're, all the gyms are closed, obviously. So. Yeah. Um, well, even that's... the show now. I mean, like I was talking to John Hackleman a few days ago, and he had a couple guys on the UFC guard that just got canceled, and, and all this stuff's going to be behind closed doors for now until who knows when they're going to actually be able to have crowds back in, which is terrible. But. Yeah. What do you think about Fight Island? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it's like it's it'd be unfortunate to lose the atmosphere of the crowd, but I, I, at the same time, you know, you want to have the sport keep going. Fighters need to fight. And that's how they get paid ultimately. So, uh, yeah. you know, and people who are locked down, they want to have something to watch. So, I mean, I, I kind of get all aspects, but you know, it, it would be a big difference not having a lively crowd there where it's silent in the arena. Right. I mean that. That that would be. I mean, I can remember back in um, in my wrestling days when when we would go into an empty gym and you know there would be there would be no one there except yeah. your parents or whatever. And it is a it is a different feeling, you know. Or like you see some like, of the boxes like that. I mean, yeah, you have major there's like seven people there. You know, it's like right. And it's kind it's of a weird sad. deal. Like there's no yeah. there's no sound and then you know you get slammed to the mat or something and you're kind of like wow this is like the real deal even though there's this whole other element is missing you know yeah those are some of the most intense matches you don't really notice it once it's on it's on but it's just the build up to the fight publicity you know it's like the the press conferences that's all everything's gone you know it's like so you it loses some of the appeal i think the rest of the world yeah yeah. Um, well, I don't know. What do you think is going to have to happen for for us to have these events again and feel comfortable with opening things up? I don't. I don't know. You know, it's like I mean, uh, I don't know if it's in terms of you know, is there going to be a vaccine or is there going to be you know, I don't know what 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 it's going to take. I think it's going to take. You know, once it does settle down, the world's still going to need some time before they're comfortable just gathering in, in right. crowds and groups. You know, whether the virus is here or not, there's still going to be like, oh, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, and so that's a it's a weird time. It's such a it's such a weird time. I don't think that I mean, you could say it over and over again. Nobody could have predicted this. Yeah. I mean, this is like, I don't know. You just see some things coming, but you know, I didn't I didn't see this coming at all. Not to this uh, not to this level. And it was quick too. We, we were in the gym. We were sparring, you know, it was three or four days before everything kind of got crazy. And it was up like guys were kind of like joking, not joking, but it was, you know, you didn't really think it was coming. And then three days later, like, oh man, the gym's closed. You can't go anywhere. It's just right. and out of nowhere, the whole world shut down. Right. I know. And it happens super fast. So one of the things that's happened since then is I know that most equipment manufacturers are completely sold out of dumbbells of anything that would be of home use it's just all been been sold out because people are are needing to train at home which is one of the most interesting things about talking to you you're the king of training at home or training um anywhere uh one of the one of the things that that i like the most about your stuff was the books i've got your book right here never gymless um Uh, never gymless this is probably one of the best um, books I've ever read on how to exercise and get your workout in outside of a gym. His other book is Infinite Intensity, which is right here. 
And both of these books I've talked about a number of times on the podcast because they are really a huge reason that I went down the path to fitness that that I went down and, and really uh, mostly thanks to you. But what was the inspiration for writing those books back in 2006? Um, I don't know. I think probably in both cases, um, it was just to kind of fulfill a need of, you know, those who might, might not have access to all the resources that they either want or think that they need. Um, coming up as a boxer, I grew up in gyms where we really didn't have anything. I mean, at one point I was in a gym, which was the basement of a housing project. We didn't have a ring. It was just a, a crude basement and everybody there could fight. Everybody was in shape. Right. Um, so I, you can do a lot. I think a lot of the world doesn't know that. Maybe they're starting to realize it now that everybody's kind of forced to be a little bit more creative and make the most of what they have because you really don't need anything. The equipment manufacturers don't want you to know that. I mean, you know, a lot of the fitness gurus, whatever you want to call it, they don't want you to know it because they want you to kind of rely on them having the answers to all the complexities. But the reality is that most people that if you grew up wrestling or boxing or martial arts, you did pretty well without too much. Right. And uh, almost nothing, you know, and that's that's one of the funniest things about about the success that you've had is like if you really read through, I mean, you have some incredible information in here, obviously, that that came from a lot of study and stuff. But the the majority of it is that message. You don't need anything. I'm not trying to sell you anything. You don't need anything. You don't have to look for the newest exercise. You can look back into the past to history and get everything that you need. And you've had a you've had a tremendous amount of success not selling anything, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I always say, if you find someone, if you know anybody who's done and throughout their life on a pull up, dips, squats, lunges, maybe they run some hills, skip some rope, they're probably in better shape than most of the world. You know, and that's with nothing. Right. And, you know, you, you can't argue with that. You know, there's no argument against it. All the fancy, even some of the home workout stuff I'm seeing now, now it's like, People are trying too hard almost to make stuff up. You know, some of this like choreographed <laughs> crazy stuff where it's like, just maybe drop down and bang push-ups, you know, it's like bang out some pull-ups or dips and you're going to be better than most. <laughs> right. Right. So what's the, what, what's your, um, what's your story? Like you start, you're, you're, you're working out in boxing gyms at the bottom of homeless shelters and like, like I mean, not homeless shelters, but what did you say? You're. <laughs> Housing projects. Housing projects. So take me from there to, to you know, how, how that ended up where you are now. Well, I mean, I, I, my aspiration, I came up as a fighter, you know, and I was, I was a successful amateur and uh, I had a lot of hand injuries that, you know, partly from boxing, but, you know, as a teenager, I was a bit of a knucklehead and, uh, you know, I had some issues outside the ring, but uh, I broke my right hand four times and, uh, Eventually, every time I kept trying to come back to fight, I was having hand injuries, which eventually is what kind of transitioned me from fighter to coach. So at the time, I started working with some of the amateur kids in the gym. And then eventually from there, just being around the gym, eventually progressed to working with the pros and to eventually now that that's pretty much all I do now is work with the pros as, as a boxing coach. Yeah, but somewhere um, along the line, you got a pretty good education. Yeah, no, I mean, I went to school. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
uh, it's like, you know, I went to UConn. I mean, I, I, you know, I went, I went through the educational side of things. And I think that's where, um, even from a training standpoint, like I kind of know both ends, you know, like I studied, you know, all the journals and the research. And at one point it was almost like thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I need to get a little more scientific with the training, you know, but eventually I kind of realized and went back to my roots that, you know, it really isn't that complicated. I've tried everything. You know, I've done the weights, the the odd objects, the body weight, a combination of everything. And at the end of the day, you know, as, as much as we want to try to make it out to be more sophisticated than this, it's really not. You know, it's like if you have a work ethic like a, like a Dan Gable, you're going to probably do better than 99% of people out there. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, and even as a coach, I mean, obviously I'm, I've been fortunate to work with some world-class fighters, but when you actually outside the talent and the skill from the actual physical training, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. We, we bust our ass, but the work is pretty simple. I think a lot of people maybe don't realize that on the outside. They're kind of like, Oh, what's the secret here? It's gotta be something more fancy than that. And when it's really not, yeah. I mean, everybody's looking for the secret also in the, the secret in just, in just overall health in, in, in the outside world, like not, a, not in, not as a professional athlete, not even as necessarily a competitive athlete, but just somebody that has kind of lost it a little bit and yeah. wants to get back in shape or to get in shape for the first time of their life. Like, what's the secret? Who do I need to pay? What do I need to do? Yeah. And, you know, there is a learning curve there where some people don't have, they, they don't know how to do a push up or a pull up or anything. They've never been an athlete at all. But for yeah, the most part, yeah. that's where your books are really um, incredible. But I think at, at the same time, I think for me, the goal is always to kind of help people become self-sufficient. So it's like, okay, you know, I'll get you started, but now you've got to kind of take the ball and run with it. It's up to you. Whereas I think the fitness industry, which I don't even like to consider myself part of, I think they like to create dependencies. Where right. They want you to rely on them and keep coming back. That's where the complexity serves them. Because if it's complex, someone needs to answer the complexity, and that's the guru. Where I'm just trying to say, look, it's it's it's, it's really actually pretty simple. So you know what to do now. Kind of now it's up to you because I think we all are capable of doing more. You know, at anything, a little better, yeah. pushing a little harder, doing a little more, and you know, I'm you know, it's true for myself. It's true for you. It's true for everybody. And I think. You know, some people maybe don't want to face that reality, but if you push yourself with the basics, one, you can always push yourself a little more. It's never going to, you're never going to get too good for the basics. You can always take a simple exercise, make it a little bit more difficult. There's a lot of ways to increase the difficulty. So you never outgrow it. Right. Um, you know, it's not probably the best sales pitch, but you know, it's not, that's not why I got into it. So, yeah. yeah. So what, I mean, the interesting thing right now is that you take a, a, a business model like, you know, the Globo gym type model where you can create this complexity. You really need this trainer. This equipment is dangerous. You really need somebody to hold your hand through this, this deal. And we're here for you. And we're going to run a new year's special and we're going to sell way more than we could possibly ever host in this location. But we're expecting 90% of you not to show up in a month. Right. So that's the, that's the model. Right. Yeah. And so now 
in that, and it's worked very well for them because they build these huge gyms all over the place. There's got to be a lot of money coming in. But now that, I mean, that was one of the first targets of this yeah. shutdown was where, you know, like where do people gather? Where do they breathe on one another? And Sweat. yeah, it's <laughs> like gyms were almost immediately um, yeah. targeted like, okay, close down all gyms, close down all massage places, close down all acupuncturists, close down, you know, all of that type of stuff. Do you, do you see that that, I mean, in just your opinion, I don't know. I mean, you're not an expert in, in that type of business, but just as a person that likes to train, what do you think is going to happen with, with big gyms? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, there'll always be, I think, there's certain guys that, I mean, there's always going to be a business for certain people. I mean, they, it's, it's almost a social hour for them as much as it's the training. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's just part of the daily routine. So they're not going to, there'll always be someone that's going to go to a commercial gym. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people that might be saying like, Hey, well, I don't know. Did I, do I really need it? Because, you know, especially it's not just the work at the gym, but it's like, you know, maybe you're driving 20 minutes after work, you're stuck in traffic, coming back where maybe I don't need to waste that time. Maybe I actually could do something at home because they've kind of been forced to now. So it's, it'll be interesting to see where the world goes. I mean, I think the world's going to change in a lot of ways, not just the gyms, you know, just yeah. between schooling. I mean, there's a lot of changes that are going to kind of happen just because of this. Yeah, no, I'm wondering about school already. I mean, my boys are in college in Montana university or uh, Montana state. Both of them are home. My daughter's in um, 11th grade. And I'm wondering if she's going to go back next yeah. fall. I mean, really like, for the year I'm assuming, right? Oh yeah. Every, all, both of them have just said we're virtual for the rest of the year. And they said that maybe three weeks ago. I mean, there was a, there was a slight little kind of hope that maybe they would uh, go back sometime this spring, but there's just yeah. no way, you know, they're, they're just not going to do it. Nobody understands how to deal with this thing or what's, what's the right thing. And I keep asking all my friends, like, what do you think that one piece of information is that comes out that kind of breaks things open a little bit? I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I've kind of thought, well, you know, as far as parks go or something like that, what if we, what if, what if some research came out that, that the coronavirus was killed in ultraviolet sunlight in 10 minutes? Like, or something like yeah. that, you know, I don't know. I mean, just wouldn't that help to open some things, some outdoor things back up and make people feel a little bit, you know, better. And I'm sure the testing and all of that is going to be, going to be something, but I, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a weird time. And, and, and anything that we say right now, even next week could be like, <laughs> do you hear what he said? I mean, <laughs> so you wonder like have more I mean, obviously the testing is limited, so you don't know how many pe people have actually really had it. Or maybe they didn't show symptoms. So, you know, maybe as far as like fatality rates are a lot lower than you even think because there's people walking around who had it and didn't even know. So right. you know, we, I, you know, we don't know. Nobody knows. I tell you what, man, I have a number of friends that feel like they had it back in December. I mean, That's like, what I, as well. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean like, like you're hearing like, okay, dry cough you know, really just felt like this certain for, way weeks, you know, coughing and yeah. And blue, they don't know what it was. Yeah. Right. And I have one friend, he went to the doctor, got tested for the flu. No, you don't have the flu. We don't know what this is. Like you, I'm sorry, you don't feel good. You're probably just working too hard, you know, just take a little break. And he, he lived in his, in his basement away from his family for um, like 13 days. And wow. that was back in December. 
And he yeah. says, he says, man, it was, it's exactly what they're saying. Yeah. The, the symptoms yeah. are right now. He was, and he was very sick. Other people aren't getting sick at all. Like, I don't know. It, do you, I, I don't even know. Like I had another guy on, uh, Lane Norton. He's like a, uh, scientist guy. Um, yeah. you know, you know so, him, bio lane. Uh, yeah, you've probably yeah. seen him on, on the internet. We were talking about, um, immune system and strengthening the immune system. And, you know, his, his feeling was it's always beneficial to have a good immune system, but we just don't know like what's up with this thing. Like you could. And then he talked about the Spanish flu. You probably know a little bit about the history of the Spanish flu, but he was explaining it to where the Spanish flu actually took out strong, healthy, young men, like more so than anyone else, because it had this weird, um, um, inflammatory response that really got like athletic people, like took them down. So yeah. I don't know. You never know what's going on with it. Or is this, I mean, seems to be that, you know, it's more of people who've had immune issues, elderly. So, I mean, but again, I've also heard of some athletes that, you know, in their thirties that are getting crushed. So it's like, I mean, I think it's the, it's not, the common side, but there's been people that you can't really, you know, weren't supposed to be the ideal case or getting destroyed by something. Right. A lot of uncertainties out there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, let's get back to your, your books and your writing. How did you decide that you were going to self, did you, you, these are self-published books, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you decide that you were going to do that? Because back in 2006, it was really a different business model than it is today. It's much easier to self-publish a book today than it would be back then. How did you decide to do that instead of, uh, uh, instead of going through a publisher? Well, part of it was wanting to have full control over the book. Whereas I know that, you know, or at least that was my assumption back then that if I went through a publisher that I might lose some of the editorial aspects where I didn't want things. There's certain things I wanted to not be touched. And, um, I was fortunate that there was, uh, was kind of an up and coming, you know, small publisher in my area who he was kind of getting going when I was getting going. And we basically teamed up and helped each other build each other's businesses. So I think I just got in at the right time. Um, you know, years later now, I don't even, I don't have hard copies of the books. Everything's kind of gone digital now. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it's, it's 15 years after, I, you know, if I ever get to writing another book, I'll, you know, I will have a print run, but it's like after 15 years, I don't know. I just kind of thought that if somebody wants it, they'll just, the Kindles are so popular now that everyone wants to download things where I, myself, I do like to have a physical book, but I think the world's changing, you know? So it's like to, to put up all the money to buy all this inventory. Right. Um, for who, you know, most people ask, well, do you have it digitally? Can I download it? This is before I did. So I just said, all right, that's what everybody wants. You know, it seems like 85 plus percent of the people want it digital. So it makes it a lot easier for me. Yeah, man, that is, um, the world has changed so much like that. Like, I don't know. I like a physical book too. Cause you gave yeah, me, like you, you gave me stuff. these when we, when yeah. you were down, you gave me these signed, signed by Ross right there. Look here. Uh, <laughs> That's right there, signed. So I've got, this is like a collector's item then because you don't even make them anymore. But I've got two copies of both of those books. And so the um, the interesting thing is that one is completely dog-eared and torn up. And then the other, then I saved these other two 
I just put them in the bookshelf, you know, after, after you gave them to me and I haven't, I don't really mess with those, but the other ones, yeah. I went through those so many times. But that, I, I like to do that with a book, especially a training book. It's not a novel. I want to go through and right. highlight it and you know, put some notes. Maybe I'm going to change something in a routine and I can go back and reference it with a sticky note. I yeah. like that for a training book. That's but, what I do too. And then the, the way that you had it, um, you know, ba- not bound, but, but spiral bound. I thought it was good too, because you could lay it flat and then, you know, it's just kind of in the gym all the time. But, uh, if you had it to do over again today, writing those books, do you think you would choose a book format or would you shoot videos or what would you, uh, I don't know. Cause I've actually kind of been toying with the idea of maybe doing like whatever gym was to at some point, but I don't know that, uh, I don't know that the world necessarily, you know, not the world, but if people want you know, a 200 page book, or is it more convenient now to almost have some type of digital platform where there's demonstrations of the exercises, video and progressions where sometimes some of the progressions might be a little bit more difficult to capture in paper form or yeah. book. Whereas if you have videos, it's a lot easier to explain certain things and then maybe just have the routines either printed or available digitally. I'm not sure. Maybe it's an app. You thought about an app? I know. You can do an app. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I was just looking at your book, going through it this morning, just like, you know, it's, it's got all these nice pictures that, you know, are, are like, you know, each step of the exercise and it's well done, but it's also in 2006, digital photography was nothing like it is today. Like what we're doing right now, I've got one, two, three, four cameras going. We've got Skype going. I've got all this stuff controlling it all on an iPad. It just seems like there are, we've come so far and it opens up the opportunity for different platforms. Like I guess the app would be the most, um, the most, the most logical, I guess, for, for that platform for you, because now you can even, there's even no, like I third parties. Where, What's that? Oh, sorry. I cut you off. No, I, I've seen also things where there's, you know, like an online terminal almost, you know, where you could have, you know, say there's a hundred videos of different exercises. I, I, I I've never worked on creating an app, so I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I would all get pieced together. It's just kind of like in the back of my head here. Well, but. I think, I think now, um, just like kind of the, the evolution of the, of the, you know, printing, uh, publishing business where it's really easy. I mean, you could, you could probably Google how to publish your, a book and, and come up with 50 different, different sites where you just put in the manuscript and it, it formats it for you and does everything. And off you go, you can probably have it on Amazon in a day or so. Um, the app building is like that. Like we built some apps this year and, um, you know, there's like some services where you just, it's kind of like got a template and you just put it in there and huh. it's almost like like Squarespace for building where, websites compared to you know back in the day where you needed a coder and all this other stuff. Yeah. It's it's gotten a lot easier. I don't know. I think you would do really well with it. Um, I started my website with HTML. I was like, <laughs> I a notepad myself. I got you know. <laughs> I know. Well, that was back. Uh, when did you start your website? Two thousand one was when it first went up as Ross Boxing, and then I kind of like I eventually branched out to Ross Training. But they both started Notepad. I had a the Dummies Guide to Web Design, and I kind of taught myself how to you know put a website together. And did you teach yourself how to code that forum? Whoops. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. And um, the forum initially was on a uh, different platform, Easyboard. I think the old Easyboards. 
and initially, uh, and, and uh, eventually, I switched over. I, I did have uh, some some of the some of the guys on the forum actually were techies, so I had you know I had some good helpers there. A couple of guys in Germany. Wow. I don't know if Lanny keeps to be. I forget what his name he used to be on the forum. He used to be on there all the time. <laughs> yeah, I used to go to the forum every all the time. I mean, that was that was a. God, it was a great resource. And it was like social media before there was social media. Like if you were into, into training or whatever, you could meet these guys that were from Germany or anywhere all over the world and you're doing the same workout. And, and it was just really cool. I, I thought it was, I thought it was an awesome resource. I was sorry to see that it wasn't there, but I hope that you're going to re revive it somehow. Cause there's a, there's a community there on Facebook too, from, you know, cause I have a large Facebook page to have a group where people could act actively post themselves. And I, I don't know, I'm kind of just, cause before I, I really, I pulled the plug. It was only a couple weeks ago. So I'm, you know, I'm almost regretting the decision, but, uh, you know, I've got to just kind of see what's going on going forward. I just, I just, I don't have the manpower to keep an eye on the forum because you start getting, you could be gone for a week in the forum, you know, gets spammed out and it's right. like blown up. So, so is that what, is that the way you run your business? You don't have anybody helping you with your business and not, no, just, yeah, it's, I, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, you, you had, you've got a lot going on. I mean, that forum, the website, writing the books, how many books have you written? Um, well, right now there's just, I, right now I've never gymless infinite intensity and untapped strength, which is, predominantly grip forearm hands. Um, those are the three books and they're still, uh, I still have the old DVDs. They're still there at digital downloads. Um, you know, and prior to writing every gym, I did have older books like 2002 or three that I eventually discontinued where I wrote every gym was because they were infinite intensity and every gym was somewhat revised versions of the real old stuff. That's, you know, we're going back like 20 years now. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So if you were to write another book, you you think it's it's uh never gymless kind of that that uh train, you know, training on your own, training anywhere, no equipment kind of deal? Wow. Yeah, cuz I mean, I've got 15 more years of experience kind of doing that type of thing than I already did when I first wrote the book. So I, you know, I was happy with never gymless, but I I know for myself that I I could make a lot better book if I was to start over from scratch. It's just, it's a, it's a big investment in time to try to sit down and create something, especially like if we're kind of traveling and getting ready for fights. So, you know, I don't know when it would happen. I, I'd like to say I will eventually, you know, how do you, how would you do that? Like when you, I mean, you're, you've got a family, right? Yeah. So you got your family, you got your boxing business, you've got the, the other obligations of shipping and other things that you're doing off of your website probably. And then you're going to write a book like, and, and you've already done this three times. So where do you find that time? Um, I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like something with a book, though, I always feel like it's a, it's it seems like a monumental task if you're just thinking about the end product. But if you wake up and say, right, every day I'm going to wake up and put 60 or maybe 90 minutes, just turn off the phone and write, or, or maybe it's research or it's outline. And that's all you do. And after the first day, you probably don't have anything done. After the first week, you might hardly have anything done. But if you keep doing that 60 minutes here, 60 minutes, three months down the line, it's like, okay, I actually have something in place that's getting me started. So, um, 
it's just like you can't do it if you're trying to do everything at once where like you know you can't just be singular i'm just going to work on the book because it'll take over your you'll, you won't be able to do anything else but right. if you have 60 minutes you just say i'm going all in for 60 minutes and then hey, if i have more time later today maybe i'll get back on but as long as i get my 60 in after a couple months you get you, you got a lot done yeah um that, that's how that's how i wrote the first books i you know because i was busy then it's just like I would block time out early in the day before I got distracted and I made sure I put the work in and then I went off and trained and did whatever, whatever else I had to do. Right. And, uh, what about your own personal training? Where do you find time for your own training? Uh, well, I'm like a lot of times when I'm in the boxing gym, I'm, you know, I work, you know, I'm the coach, but I'm, I do a lot of stuff in the gym as well, but I, you know, I have a garage gym here. I, I make time for, it. I like for myself, just like working on a book, I like to train early in the day because, again, if I've already gotten it in, no matter what happens, if I have to put out fires, I get busy, whatever's going on, I already got the session. It's done. The day, the day can happen. Now. Whereas if I put it off till later and I get busy, I'm not going to have the same focus I would have if I just got it out of the way early in the morning before I started the rest of my day. Right. That's how I feel exactly. And it always seems like, you know, when my kids were little, there would always be something. I'd be like, I'm going to train, you know, at five o'clock this afternoon when I get off the water or whatever. And then, um, there would always be a wrestling match or a soccer game or a parent conference or something. There was always something. And the next thing you know, you've missed three, three days and you feel bad and you're not at your best. And so I just moved to that morning thing. That's just the, the way. And then that's my time. You know, that's, that's what I do. That's, that's my time. And everybody knows that it doesn't matter anyway, because then none of them are up, <laughs> they're all sleeping. So it works perfect, but that's, that's always been, um, the and best I, way. You know, there's a lot of people say like, well, I'm not a morning person. I don't know if anybody is, but it's a habit. Like first you make your habits and your habits make you. So, you know, when it, when you start doing it consistently, it just becomes part of the routine. I don't even think about it. I, you know, I could be half out of it, barely, you know, I barely slept, but I get to working. And then again, I just go on with the day. Yeah. 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 I've, I, I feel the same way. That's awesome. So one of the things that, um, I think that I was most interested in, like when I, when I came across your, your material, your website, your forum and all of that, one of the things that I was most interested in was your mindset that you have. And I'm sure you're familiar with, with the book mindset by Carol Dweck, but it's a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And you epitomize the growth mindset as much as anybody I've ever talked to, been around, read their material or anything. Where did, where did that, where did you develop that? How did you develop that in your life? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say where, you know, I think we're all just kind of a product of our environments and, you know, the coaches I've had over the years and, um, you know, my own successes and failures, you know, aspirations to do more, you know, I don't think you could pinpoint a mindset on any sing single activity or experience. I think it's just an accumulation of, uh, just constantly trying to evolve and get better, you know, and I guess trying to take that then to my athlete, trying to help them evolve and get better. Yeah. Um, Cause like, saying, like we can all do a little more, we can all do a little better, whatever it is, you know, whether it's writing or training or you know, it doesn't matter what it is. We all have room for growth. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like, seems like there's gotta be some, some situation to where you kind of learn that. Like for me, it would be like, 
there was plenty of failure, but then there was plenty of success. And there was some success in places that it looked um, like, uh, like it wasn't going to happen. So like, you just don't look like you have the potential to make it to this, whatever, whatever you want to do. Like you want to be a, you want to win that tournament. Um, man, those guys are so much better than you. You're, you'll never make it that far. And then you do. And it's like, yeah. man, if I had listened to those other people, I'd be stuck believing that I can only make it so far. And, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's, do you think that it's more success or failure that, that helped you to create that mindset? I think, you know, it's competitiveness, you know, where, and I think some of that might, maybe it's innate, I don't know, but I want to win, you know? And so it's not that, you know, if someone tells me I can't do something, you know, it's like, I might not say anything, but in my mind, I want to show them, I'm going to show, I'll show you what I can do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's you got to have not a cockiness, but a little bit of attitude. You know, you don't have to display it, but it's inside. Believe in yourself. And you're going to show people, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm, whether it's, you know, whether it's sports or business or school, I'm going to win. I'm going to come out on top. You know, I'm not going to like let someone else's opinion of what they think I can do dictate what I actually do because there's, everybody's got dream snatchers around them. You know, sometimes it's people that, you know, are friends or family. Oh, they don't want you to take the risk. You can't do it. You're not going to do this work. You know, I've always felt like if I put my mind to something, I'm going to get it done. Yeah. You know, I'm, and if I, you know, even if I fail, I probably did more than I would have done by just not trying at all. So it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on myself because I'm competitive. You know, it doesn't matter if we're playing tic-tac-toe, a thumb wrestle, I'm coming. In. <laughs> you know, it's like, but I, I, you know, I think some people, they don't have that drive, that competitiveness where, I don't know, they give up on themselves and they're just not, you know, it's like, you got to it's okay to lose or to fail, but you got to go for it. You got to try, you know, you right. got to just, you got to bet on yourself. So do you work with some young fighters that, that battle with those kind of demons? Like they don't really believe in themselves. And if so, how I mean, do you. I've, I've a bunch of kids, I've, you know, baseball team, I mean, I've coached all ages. I mean, you're always, you're always going to have kids that, you know, whether it's the, you know, their environment that they go back home to, maybe they're not getting any support. There's always going to be kids that are doubting themselves that, you know, they struggled maybe before, you know, and to be honest, not, you know, not everybody is maybe, maybe blessed with what it takes to obviously to get to certain levels. And that, you know, that's just the reality, but everyone can get better. You know, you have to be, I think as a coach, you have to be a little realistic, especially in a sport like box where you can get someone's head punched in. You know, you, there's going to be times where a certain fighter, it makes sense to hang the gloves up or, you know, it makes sense to, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe you should go play the piano. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You you have to have a sense of realism, but you know, at the same time, you want them to do more than what they've done, you know, but again, boxing is a tricky because, you know, there are levels and, you know, it's like, I'm all for, you know, defying the odds, but at the same time, I, you know, I'm probably not going to ever run a hundred meters, in, you know, less than 10 seconds. Like I'm aware of that, you know? So I think you got to be realistic in certain ways, but at the same time, you also got to be willing to defy some odds. Um, just a balance there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm probably not describing it the best way. No, no, I think you are. I think it's, I think it's really good. Um, when you get to the, 
to the highest level, like the boxers that you're training, you know, like Olympic champions moving to the, like this, this, this female boxer that you're training with right now, what's her mindset like? Um, it's very similar. This is in a sense, very competitive, you know, it's like, uh, um, and everything, you know, whether it's the training, you know, it's like just, um, you know, when, when you have success, you know, and, and you've reached that level, you start to, you, you know, you expect it, you demand it. Um, you know, so every day you show up, it's like well, Eric Thomas, you win the day, you know, win, right. win today's session, and then win, win the road work tonight, win everything. And then, you know, eventually that's just your mentality going in. You're on another level than everybody. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's not fun losing, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's not fun losing anything. So I think, you know, and again, but again, everyone's tasted that before, you know, and, you know, I don't care how good of an athlete you are at some point as an amateur, at some point you've lost, you know, and the really competitive people, you don't want to taste that again. You know, you don't, you'll do everything you can to, to avoid being there. Right. Um, you know, I, I have like, there's fights I lost 20 years ago, close decision that I thought, you know, it still bothers me, you know, so I don't think you ever get over it but you do what you can to avoid being there in that situation again. That's for sure. Right. In that book, uh, mindset that I was, that I referenced is it's a interesting book because one of the things that she talks about in there are, are kids with a fixed mindset that like you were talking about athletes that have lost hundreds of times and that creates kind of a risky, like you're not afraid to take risks. You've already lost. What, what's another loss going to be? What if I win? Like, think about how good it'll be if I win. So somebody that's lost a bunch, they have a tendency to uh, take more risks, to go, you know, fight the best fighter in the gym or wrestle the best wrestler in the gym. So what if he beats me? I've already lost a hundred times before. No big deal. Where a kid with a fixed mindset is like, I'm, they tell me that I'm the best. And if I wrestle that guy or if I fight that guy and get knocked out, then obviously I'm not going to be the best. So, or, or it, she says, you know, takes it into a classroom setting of like, you know, they're, they're, they're afraid to take a hard test or they're afraid to take a, a real hard class because everybody's told them they're smart their entire life. And they're afraid to take that risk because they're afraid they're going to get exposed. And where the, that's a fixed mindset where the gross growth mindset is whatever, man, I, you can't beat me any worse than the other guys already beat me. And I might win, you know, and I'm going to get better. That though is that with certain individuals, as they lose, they can become accustomed to losing almost to the point where they expect it and they stop expecting that they can. They probably have more that they could give, but oh, I've been here before. Here we go. I'm going to lose this one again. You know, it's like, so I think but that's a, where the people around you, the support system you have, whether it's your friends, family, or coaches, they're the ones that kind of have to help lift you to let you know, listen, you can beat this guy. You know, you've lost before, but you can go get it. Because sometimes when you're on your own, you start this self-doubt creeps in and it's just familiar territory. I lost the last one. Ah, here we go again. Yeah. I'm going to lose again. Yeah. I see that, man. That's, that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because that can, you can get in that familiar territory of just, eh, you know, I don't have anything to lose, but I'm not going to win. You know, that's it's like not boxing, it. we call it like sparring partner syndrome. You know, it's like they're just they're used to being the B side against the A class fighter. You know, it's like and they get in there and they do enough and they compete, but 
they're they're the sparring partner. They're not the guy that's getting ready to go win. You know, they're just there to kind of fill their role. Um, you know, which which is a dangerous role to take, though. You know, you, especially in a sport like box. Like if you're taking punishment, you know, you, you only should be there to win. You know, if you get to where you don't care about winning, you're in the wrong sport, and you, you get you know you can get hurt and affect the rest of your life. Right. So if you take that kind of what we're discussing about, you know, the mindset and and uh, being in familiar territory of losing and you take that into just a regular dude that's trying to get in shape and like, how does that apply to to somebody that that is is just trying to get in shape? Maybe they maybe the doctor told them that they're that they're overweight and they really got to work on it. There, there would tend to be that same tendency of, well, I've always been overweight my whole life and this is where I am. And like, how does somebody turn that around? I think I mean, at some point, I think they, they just need to see some progress, you know, cause it's like, it's one thing for me to say, listen, you got to keep at it. You're, you know, keep going, be consistent, bust your ass. But if they don't actually see anything, you know, the novelty wears off. You know, where it's like, I've been doing this. You know, I tried this diet. It didn't work. I tried this routine. It didn't work. I went to the gym. It didn't work. Um, you know, where you have to, you know, you, you got to give them something where they can see it. You know, it's like one thing for me to tell you, if you keep going, listen, wait till you see next month. But, you know, until they actually see it and believe it, and that's right. I think especially if you're a coach or you, know, you got to just kind of, you got to keep them uplifted and keep them moving forward until they do see it and believe it. Right. They don't believe it they're going to find something else to do or just give up on it. Right. That's one of the things that I liked about um, a lot of your workouts and some CrossFit workouts and other things is like, there's a name to that workout. It's a very specific workout. Like say you're magic 50, like you're going to, you're going to swing the the dumbbell. You're going to, you're going to snatch the dumbbell. You're going to do 10 burpees. You're going to do that five rounds and you mark that time down and you mark down. Okay. It was with a 45 pound dumbbell. I did it in 12 minutes. And then you come yeah. back to that in three weeks after you've been working out or something. And now you do it in 10 minutes. And now, yeah. you know, you're like, huh, you know, did <laughs> I, did I get better? I don't, I mean, my pants fit the same. My shirt fits the same. I look the same in the mirror, but you know, I've, I'm actually seeing progress. I think it's really important that, that people write it down or somehow, somehow monitor that progress. Yeah. And it can be simple. It's like, you you know, I ran a mile. Well, you know, you just ran it 10 seconds faster than last week. You right. know, like the little steps forward, they all count. And they, you know, as time goes on, they all start to accumulate. Yeah. And that's where they see the the progress. But I think a lot of people get off track because they're not they're not paying attention to those details. They just run a mile. And they don't put a time on it at all. And they don't, oh, I felt a little, I, I guess I might've felt a little better. They don't know. They, they knocked off 45 seconds off their, their last mile. I mean, that's, that's a lot better. Like, a, it's nice, it's like data, you want hard data. You know? Right. <laughs> right. So you look at your own balance, you can see numbers, you know, you want to have something you can, you know, equate numbers to I'm faster. You know, it's like, it, as you know, not just like what I weigh in the scale. We're talking like performance numbers. I just lifted 10 more pounds. I did 10 more reps. I ran it in 10 seconds fewer than before. So, um, you yeah. know, and I, don't, like, I don't think you should drive yourself crazy writing down every statistic in the world, but you got to have a track of something. You know? Yeah. Just something that's, that's, that's trackable. And a lot, you know, there's, there's some types of workouts or some types of fitness programs that, that don't really have 
any way to to track it. You go to the class and you do the class and I mean, how do you feel? I feel a little better than I did last week. And that's kind of the recipe in my mind of, of getting tired of it and not, not continuing where if you can just see, like you say, like any sort of progress, anything, did you get stronger? Did you get faster? And then eventually you're going to see, Oh, okay. Well, my pants are looser. So it gives you like, we're talking about competitiveness. Like if I'm, working against a number i'm competing now with myself so it's like okay i ran the mile this fast i want to get a little faster so it's like when you have something to compete against yourself i think it helps you if you just show up and okay i'm at my spinning class and i'm gonna do the same half hour i did yesterday and the day before i mean what are you working against it's the same thing right and there's you know you got you got a good good opportunity to get tired of the, of the spinning class. That's one of the things too, that I always liked about what uh, of your books is the, the, the variety and the variety really not necessarily because you necessarily need so much variety, but because you don't want to get tired of it and you want to, you want to, you want to eliminate burnout or, or reduce burnout and, and keep everything fresh and do a lot of different things, you know, hit the bag, do pull-ups, push-ups, lift weights sometimes, whatever, you know? And, yeah. and I think that keeps it interesting too. Because I think, you know, I mean, variety is another thing. You know, you could be excessive, but sometimes like I, I like to say variety can be subtle, you know? So it's like you might change your grip on the pull-up bar, maybe add weight, maybe do higher reps. Maybe, you know, you're doing close grip push-ups, you're doing wide push-ups, you're doing explosive push you're doing handstand push-ups. There's always a way to, switch things up a little bit without straying too far from the fundamentals that you believe in. Right. Um, you know, to, to repeatedly do the same thing over and over and over again. Um, you know, it works for some, but most people, they need to have a little bit of variety and spice things up just to, to avoid the monotony and the boredom of just, uh, you know, not cause not, I, I enjoy working out. I like my time in the gym, but I understand that not everybody's going to feel the same way. They're doing it more for how they look, how they feel. Well, I actually enjoy the self. If I could do the same work, I'm going to be fine with it. But at the same time, I realize that it's probably not the norm. You got to, you know, it's nice to mix things up and keep people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I think that, uh, I think you ought to write another book or do an app or something. Yeah. At least yeah. get your, at least get your, uh, forum back together. You got a big, you got a big community of people out there that want to, want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if we, uh, if, if any of these guys want to, uh, I know that you had a special where you were offering your book for a dollar during this Corona. You do for never gymless. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to, as far, long as this coronavirus thing goes on, I'm going to leave it at a dollar. So just a little I know people are out of work and if somebody needs it, you know, it's 230 page book, it's a dollar. So. Wow. And that'll be a digital download. Yeah. It's, it's a PDF. You know, you can print it. I didn't, I never created a full Kindle version because for me, you can read the PDFs on a Kindle, but I like the fact that you can actually print it. So, you know, for myself, I would print say like the workout section. So I have them on hand. I don't like, I don't want to go reference something on a phone or on a Kindle with I'm training. I want to have a physical piece of paper. Right. So you could get this book for a dollar. Um, if you go, what's your website that you get it? Yeah. Ross Ross training.com. You can get never gymless for a dollar. Um, it's, uh, 
and then print it out. That's what that's what he's saying. And then you can just keep it. Um, yeah, you can read it online on your computer, tablet, whatever. But you can't. You know the options there. If people. That's cool. And then, uh, man, I hope you I hope you start working on another book because uh, I'd love to see what you got going on. But man, it was great to catch up with you. I really, um, you know, just want to tell you. Uh, you, you have a tremendous uh, impact on a lot of people. I hope you know that, including myself, um, you know, my story that I've told on the podcast before, but I was, you know, a wrestler and that's how I grew up. Not with, with, without much, uh, we never went to the weight room. The weight room was for football players and basketball players. We weren't even really allowed in there. They didn't want the, they didn't want us in there. We didn't know what we were doing, I guess. But uh, we had just like, you know, some dumbbells, you know, a couple of bars and uh, maybe a sandbag and that was it and each other. And so yeah. when we lifted weights, all the wrestlers lifted weights in the, in the wrestling room and we did things like burpees and squat thrust back then is what we called them. And, yeah. uh, yeah. but that we weren't really allowed in the, in the weight room. And if we went in the weight room, it was going to be back then it was all bodybuilding uh, stuff, you know, you do, you do three sets of eight and, and move on and nobody in there is breaking a sweat whatsoever. So I learned, you know, my basis was basically what your books are. And then somewhere along the line, I got off track and forgot all that stuff and felt like, and then I kind of got out of shape and then I got back in shape the way that I thought you would get back in shape and the way I read and everything was you ran marathons. So I just started running and it turned out to be fine for me. I just started running marathons, but I did that for about five years and man, my back was hurting. I would just was over running marathons. So I was looking for another way to train and I started uh, looking around for jump rope workouts because I was traveling a lot at the time. And that's how I ran across your stuff was um, really? it, you had something about jump ropes. And so I started looking at it and then I found, um, all your, your, your website and everything and ordered your books. And I was like, this is, this is like what we were doing in high school. Like this is I already know kind of this stuff, like, and, yeah, it, yeah. but it was like this justification, like, no, you already know. And, and you're right. You should be doing that stuff. Like yeah. not that marathons yeah, are yeah. bad or anything like that, but for, for the fitness that you're looking for, you already know how to do it. Right. Yeah. That was, that was super cool, but I, I really liked it very much. And then it sent me down this road of, of, uh, you know, training every day, probably trained damn near every day since the last time we saw each other and, yeah. um, yeah. feel great, man. Just love it. I'm so, 50, 52. Yeah. Yeah. We got a group that, uh, meets in my driveway every morning at five 30. Well, it's kind of slimmed down now, but, um, yeah, that's yeah. been a big yeah. part of, uh, just of, of my life of just giving this information to those guys and having this, this social group around me uh, that revolves around training and it revolves yeah. around, you know, fellowship and training and, you know, mentally and physically, like it's, it's a big part of, of my life. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, a lot of that is, is thanks to you. So I wanted to, uh, to definitely thank you for that. And, and, you know, you're, you're humble. But uh, you're, you're putting out some really incredible information. Two of the best training books I've ever read right there. You can get one of them for a dollar if you go to RossTraining.com and uh, check out his stuff, man. He's got, he's got some great uh, social media, very motivational. I love the stuff that you do with the old training. Recently, you just did the stuff with Dan Gable and Kimura. 
Um, yeah. those are incredible videos. Uh, <laughs> I mean the, the martial arts video where they're doing 600, um, Hindu pushups every day. And, and just the, yeah. the, the, the voiceover on that is so awesome. It's like, it's excessive. Well, yeah, we know it. He was a Canadian that went to train with Kamori. He won a silver medal in the Olympics. Wow. Yeah. And then he won the gold medals in the Pan Am games twice. That the guy that he's the one speaking in that video. So yeah. where did that video come from? It's an old, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's an old documentary that I had saved. I just like to try to fit it into a minute. Yeah. Uh, I put up a link actually. There's uh, a link on my blog to the, it's like an 18 minute documentary, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Actually. It's worth looking at. You tend to find a lot of those old training. Um, a lot of that stuff though, I, I found on the forum guys would share stuff on the forum and they said, Hey man, check this out. Put this on the blog. You know, could you put this up for me? Right. One of the equipment, like, Hey, I just made this, you know, whatever Can you throw that up on your blog for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I remember, uh, somebody posted on your blog were, um, remember those, uh, that high school in California that had that incredible physical fitness, uh, wasn't it in yeah, California yeah. and they had like a documentary on that. And man, they used to train those kids during school. And they were jacked, man. Every one of them, man. You look and there's like 60 kids and even the worst looking one is like jacked to today's uh, standards. And they're they're doing dips and rope climbs and pull-ups and every different kind of push-up you can imagine. And that was PE class. That was that's an awesome video, man. I love that video. That is so cool. But, but what I like about that stuff, it's like a lot of people I feel like today we have this thought that we're the only ones, you know, that know what's going on. And if it's old, it's outdated where it's like those guys 50 years ago are in better shape than 99% of the world now. Like, yeah. We come as far as you think the stuff that worked then still works now. Right. I mean, some people, it almost seems like there's, it almost seems like there's like a, uh, well, uh, there's definitely two extremes. Like I feel like there are a lot of people that are, that are in very, very, very good shape right now. And then there's a lot of people that are in very, very, very poor shape. And, and then when you eliminate uh, PE out of schools and I think it's one thing when, when your PE class is like playing tag on the, on the, on the uh, playground or something, but at least you're getting some physical activity compared to that documentary that we're talking about where they were, those kids were, I mean, that was like a gymnastics class. I mean, it was amazing what they were having those kids do. Um, but I don't know. There's two spectrums. There's either just. Yeah, I mean, there's extremes where you have like ultimate athletes. We have that now, obviously. It's yeah. just the middle ground though, where yeah. the average person comes in. The average person doesn't do much of anything physical. Where I think in previous generations, that was different. Yeah. Know, whether it's like, we could probably all say, oh, my grandfather, you know, he could have worked outside all day. You know, it's like, well, you don't have that now. You know, a guy goes outside for 20 minutes. He, you know, he can't do any labor. He can't do anything if he had to. Right. That's, that's a big change. And I mean, that's just a change in the world because yeah. I mean, the middle, the middle ground, a lot of those people actually did work like physical jobs that yeah. have been replaced with Walmarts and, and, you know, the farms have been kind of displaced in a lot of areas and, and those people are now working at Walmart instead of tossing hay all day, you know, yeah. all but, been automated, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, even more automation with, with, uh, coronavirus, but I don't know. I kind of think that this, this, uh, I have an optimistic view on, on this coronavirus and the lockdown. I, I believe that 
right now I've seen more people, like if I do get out and drive around or we take a walk with my family or my wife, there are more people walking. There are more people, more kids on bicycles. I hadn't seen a kid ride a bicycle in five years. And there, there, there's a bunch of them. They found a whole rusty bicycle in the garage somewhere and started riding it again. And uh, I just think that people are spending more time with their families. I think people are, are um, you know, more interested in their health. It starts with, you know, not getting sick and doing things like washing hands. But then I think every one of those little steps that you take leads to, oh, well, I could be better. I could be more fit. I could pay more attention to my sleep. I could pay more attention to my hygiene. I could, oh, I might do a push up today. You know, I just, yeah. I, I just kind of have an optimistic view on it. I think it's a good opportunity. It seems like a, a reset for the whole world. That's a good way to put it. A reset. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll be over soon and then we'll go back to normal. But I think, I hope my hope is that going back to normal means that, that we remember some of these good things that come out of this, like being spending more time with your family, exercising more, paying more attention to your health. And, and that yeah. kind of transcends into the new world, whatever, whatever that looks like as we're moving into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, so the, uh, the, the training camp, can you still train there at all? Or are you going to kind of shut down for a little bit or what? Just it's no one else is there obviously. So it's just, not, but you know, we got to, keep going until we hear otherwise. Right. I mean, right now the show's on, but I just, I wouldn't, I'm assuming it's going to get pushed back, but you, the last thing you want is to be caught off guard. So you gotta, you gotta stay ready. Yeah. That's, that's in your book too. Stay ready. Not just yeah. get ready. Stay yeah. ready all the time. Yeah. That's a, that's good. That's a good <laughs> philosophy for life though. All right, Ross, man, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. It's great to catch up with you. I'll be watching for you online. Right. I hope you, I hope you saw my tag uh, to you the other day with my, my boy doing a triple clap push up. <laughs> that came from your book too. <laughs> yeah. He's a stud, like man. He's a stud. I got to try to keep up with him. I did a video of me doing a triple clap push up, but it didn't go as well as his went. And so I deleted it. But I didn't oh, really? smash my face. <laughs> I didn't smash my face, but it was close. It was close. But I'm yeah. gonna get it. I gotta get good and warmed up before I. I can do a double clap, but not a uh, triple. I'm working on that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, we'll be watching for you online, everybody. That's Ross Enamite, Ross Training, RossBoxing.com. Uh, go, go check it out, man. Awesome resource, Ross. Thanks, man. I hope you have a great day, and we'll see you, you soon. Too. All right. Sounds good. Take care, man. See ya. All right, that was Ross Enamite. Ross, man, what a great, uh, what a great dude. He's got some incredible information. He has, uh, you know, it's it's old school. It's simple. It's not complicated. And you can go, man, right now that that deal, never gymless for a dollar. Everybody should go get that book for a dollar. It is well worth a dollar. And um, you know what I would do is I would get it printed out and have it spiral bound myself because, uh, that, that book's amazing. It, it really is. It's, it's this book right here, never gymless. And, um, it's been a, been a big help to me. It'll be a big help to you. And that $1 is, is awesome. As always, this podcast is brought to you by waypoint TV. Waypoint TV is the place where you can go and see our show as well as tons of other hunting and fishing shows. Waypoint is providing content to um, 
Samsung Plus TV has a Waypoint channel over there, Zumo Stir, uh, Pluto TV. There's all kinds of content on the free channels. Those plus channels is what I call them. Uh, You can find the Waypoint channel or you can watch it uh, what I'm calling conventionally, which is kind of strange and ironic because it's not conventional at all. It's digital streaming. Go to waypointtv.com. Hit the Ways to Watch page. You can see how you can get it on all of your different devices, on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire Stick, everything you can possibly imagine, as well as going to Samsung Plus and all of those other channels. So that's where you can see our brand new show. We just launched a new show with Derek DeYoung, a marine artist. And he is also having a special. If you're interested, you can go for one week only you can go to his website and use the code SWE and get uh, 20% off your order. So that's happening right now. And that's it for this week. So thanks so much to Ross. Thanks so much to you guys for listening. And we will see you again next week.